Welcome to the Connectors Podcast, the show that explores the importance of making meaningful connections for personal and professional growth and happiness. We will share how building and recognizing strong connections in life can help you achieve your goals, find fulfillment in your work, and how you can create opportunities to build a purposeful and fulfilling future. Come along for the journey and let's connect. And I'd like to properly introduce our guest today. So I'd like to welcome to the show our guest, Matt Gilhooley. Uh, Matt is the creator and the host of the Life Show podcast, where he hosts candid conversations about the pivotal moments that changed his guests' lives forever. In his day job, he is an online business educator and a private at a private university in Central Florida. So welcome to the show today, Matt. Thank you. I love to be connected. <laughs> we love connecting. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. Ever in my wildest dreams imagined this journey for myself. So I just love how it's all unfolded and it's just been the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. Oh, I love to hear that. Can you start from the beginning? Because I'm curious, we've talked a little bit about, you know, we met briefly once through the AMA uh, podcasting group. So it's a group of podcasters that get together, share tips, tools, ideas, that kind of thing. Uh, and that's where I met Matt for the first time. And we you, you shared a little bit about yourself in that um, in that platform. But I'd love to for you to tell our audience, like, what got you started into podcasting? And how has your journey been up to this point? Podcasting? It's been interesting, because my podcast, the Life Shift podcast started as a assignment or an assignment in a master's program that I took during the pandemic. During the pandemic, I was still working full time, but I, I teach online mostly. So my life didn't really change that much, except I got more time on my hands because I didn't have to drive places. And so I did all I could to find things that would fill my time because I you know, couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't do anything. And so I dabbled in digital art and I made coloring books and I put them on Amazon and I did all these these things. And that still was just like, eh, whatever. And I kind of felt like my brain was turning to mush. I don't know if you can relate. And so mm -hmm. it had been hmm, 16 years since I got my my MBA. I was like 22, 23 when I got my MBA. And so I decided to start a master's program during the pandemic in mass communications, public relations. And it was uh, like 11 core classes. And I think they assign you like six of them. So then you can choose five electives through your two year journey. And so I determined that Every time that I would choose an elective, I would choose one that scared me because mm. my first time around in school, I was very much living this checklist kind of life, doing things that I knew I could do well so that other people would be approving. And this, that's trauma related that maybe we talk about. Mm -hmm. But this time I wanted to do something that I maybe I didn't get an A and that would be okay. And so eventually I took a art of podcasting course and uh, we had to do all the research. We had to do all the things that I think a lot of podcasters don't do before they jump in. Mm -hmm. They don't research their target audience. They don't, you know, think about the name. They don't come up with their 10 word description. A lot of these things that I feel I'm, I'm so glad I did because it's really kept me aligned. It's really, you know, it's funny. I look at my audience personas and then I'll look at my analytics and everything aligns and I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. So it does work when you do your research. But I wanted to do a show, I truthfully wanted to do a show on grief because it's kind of where uh, 
my life journey has spent a lot of its time in this grief journey. But then I realized that like, that's, wow, that's really depressing. I don't want to have a, a grief podcast. So I came up with a life shift because when I was eight, my mom was killed in an accident. And from that moment on, my life completely shifted from whatever trajectory it was going to be on. My life was completely altered. And I wondered throughout that journey if other people had significant specific moments that kind of changed things. So the podcast kind of went from being an assignment where I only had to do two episodes to now I'm over a hundred episodes recorded. I think I'm 107 by the time of this recording. So, you know, it's like, wow, how did that happen? And it's, it's really unfolded in such an unexpected and wonderful way. Mm. What's the time frame that from the time you started the course till now? I started the course, uh, it was a spring 2022 semester. So I launched the podcast before the class ended, even though we didn't have to, I launched it in March, 2022. Mm. So I haven't, wow. I've released at least one episode a week, every week since then. That's amazing. And I saw That's you post, great. I saw All you post myself. something. All by yourself. <laughs> oh my God, we're a team of two. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we're like, that's you know, us, it's the coordination is. between us. And, you know, you've, but yeah, hats off to you because that's yes. a lot of work to do solo. Um, and I saw you posted something not long ago on LinkedIn. You're very active on LinkedIn. Uh, love your, your presence there. And you posted something about 20,000 downloads and mm. you were excited to tell your grandma or something. And I thought that was really cute. And you're very personable on LinkedIn in your posts and you share a lot about yourself. And I really like that aspect because it truly is um, uh, who you are really shines through. Well, yeah. I appreciate that. That was a long time for me, you know, losing my mom so young. It was the late 80s, early 90s. Nobody around me really knew how to help an eight-year-old that had a parent that died. My father was, I mean, my parents were divorced, so he was suddenly a, a dual parent of, and unexpectedly, he lived in another state. He like all of a sudden assumed this. And I think the people around me wanted me to be happy. And what I absorbed from that was that, oh, I have to show them I'm happy. And mm -hmm. so for so long, it was just such an, a performative thing even to the point of going through school and choosing the things that were easy to me so that I could get an A because, you know, like my eight-year-old brain was kind of making all those decisions, even up to like 30 of if I don't impress people, they're going to leave me because, you know, my brain thought, oh, my mom left me. Are other people going to leave me too? Mm. And so a lot of that was like really trauma-based. And so once I kind of went to therapy and did all that stuff and now having these conversations is even helping, helping more. But then I realized like there's too much work to be performative on LinkedIn or on social media. And I realized that so many people are experiencing similar things. Like we're all human. We're all going to have bad days. We're all going to have really tough moments. And why can't I just share that? And mm -hmm. so I've really leaned into it maybe too much at times, but you know, I just want others to know that I'm a human here and I might be having a bad day. It's not a bad life, but it's a bad day and I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm going to share it. I get so many messages behind the scenes of people being like, thank you for putting that out there. Like I've been feeling the same way. And, you know, like, so that makes me feel like there's a little bit of purpose there. Yeah, I completely hear what you're saying. And I've filled out your form to be a guest on your show. And it really made me think about some things that happen in my life and 
My sister passed away uh, when I was 31. She was 33 of a car accident, tragic event. I had to travel from where I was teaching and go back home. And boy, in that month that I was there, did I see a whole range of people reacting to me and my mom on in their own expression of grief. But boy, oh boy, was it a variety of expressions. And some of them were completely out of left field. Like we were exhausted at the end of the two memorials, one in Zimbabwe and one in Mozambique because we just counseled and helped people grieve all day long. Mm -hmm. Like it was exhausting. Yeah. People don't know how to do it. We're not taught. No. I mean, mm -hmm. we're kind of told to keep that behind closed doors. It's not something like don't grieve in public. Don't show people like, is it weakness? I feel like it's a strength to show people that you need help, that, that, that you're vulnerable. Like, I hope we're leaning more into that in 2023, but I can completely relate. Like you sit in these moments and it's like, first of all, there's nothing you can say to help someone through grief. Like everyone's journey is going to be different, but there's certainly a lot of things you shouldn't say. Yes. <laughs> and, and you will hear them all. But I think most people mean well, it's just that they're just not trained or they're not, they're not around it enough mm. to really understand that you just really need to hold the space and you just need to be there for the people. And, and, you know, to the point of your, your whole podcast, this connection, it's just, you know, we're here if you need me for anything, you know, it's like, that's the stuff. So I can, I completely can understand how you felt and we, we do need to get you on this. <laughs> yes, for sure. Both of us, please. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> if you're looking for a podcast that will inspire you to connect with people from all walks of life and various industries, we invite you to join us to listen to our open and transparent discussions where we share our stories, triumphs, and challenges and provide ways of connecting with our dynamic guests. Um, so on that, I guess on the, on talking about grief and, um, I, my heart goes out to both of you just because I haven't had that similar experience at all. So, um, I haven't been it through it in the same way. I can't relate exactly. Um, so through your experience on the podcast and uncovering these stories with your guests on the show, what are some of the common things you've noticed in terms of like how pe people have experienced grief, grief and how other people maybe tried to help them what's worked, what hasn't. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. So I think, I mean, most common is most of the people that I talk to, first of all, they've kind of gone through therapy. They've kind of reflected on the moment. They've realized what served them, what hasn't served them. Most people say that no one around them knew how to help them because I think there isn't one way to help someone through grief. And I think we all have to find our own journey and our own timetable and what works for us and like for me like when i lost my mom i didn't really fix that problem uh till i was like 30 or 30 mm. like early 30s and because i wasn't exposed to therapy and those kind of things and you know i don't know if there is like a piece of advice from these people i do know and i do hope that people when they're on their grief journey, have the openness to talk to someone, to let things out, to write, to podcast, to do whatever form feels right, because everything is so much darker and scarier in your head than when you put it into words, like out loud with someone. And once it's out loud, then you can deal with it. But in here, at least personally, everything is a lot messier and scarier and like it's a catastrophe 
But then when I say it out loud, I'm like, okay, that's palatable. That's something that I can move through. So I don't know if there's if there's a, a succinct answer to your question. I apologize, uh, but I certainly have had a really great experience just holding space for people to mm -hmm. talk about their experiences in that way. I've also had people that haven't processed. And that's really difficult because there is a difference in the way someone tells their story when they haven't mm. yeah. at least let the scab heal to like a scar. Uh, yeah. When it's still a scab, it's really hard for people. Yeah, and advice is different. You People take advice differently at different points in their life, right? There's advice I got when I was in my 20s that didn't resonate until now. You know, mm -hmm. you, you yeah. accept advice and receive it in the way that you need it when you need it. So I think what you said is very helpful, you know, holding space for, for people, um, just checking in to make sure they're okay, knowing that you can't fix it, but yeah. you know what I said. being there and being available. Um, yeah. And I like that what you said, like sometimes the words are messier in your head and oh, gosh. and then when you get it out there, it's like, oh, it's, it's not that scary, it's yeah. as scary, yeah. Mm. I will say like if someone, I have a lot of people because they know my story, I never thought that I would talk about my mom dying like every single week for for two <laughs> years. Like she yeah. would be, she would not be great or happy about that, but <laughs> people know my story. And so a lot of people reach out to me if they lose someone or, you know, like, or someone call Matt or whatever that might be. And I have no words, right? But the thing I do tell people, the one piece of advice that I tell people, if they are starting this grieving journey or they're in it, I tell them that they need to be okay with however they're feeling. However they're feeling is okay at any point in time. If they're mad one day, if they happen to laugh one day, it's okay because you're human, you're gonna go through all the emotions. And I think we put shame on if we're not sad for long enough or we're not mad for long enough or whatever that may be. And so I just tell people, feel whatever you're feeling and know that it's okay and it's normal and just go with it and acknowledge it. Yeah, that's so important to allow yourself the space to do that. And if you can't be out in public and and and, and you feel like a little earth, emotional earthquake coming on, you know, Find just find some place to work through it. Mm -hmm. Also, I think that um, rituals can help a hell of a lot. Like um, I've always got a little altar area set up with a few Buddhas and a few little pictures and things because I lived for seven years in Asia and um, I was gifted some lovely Buddhas. And uh, every year um, around the day of my sister's passing, I'll just set it up and I'll have a little think and. I'll make some mac and cheese, which was her absolute favorite dish. And I will leave a little dish there for the spirits or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, and some days and some years, it's terrible. Like I'm a mess. I'm emotional days before. I'm emotional on the day. And then sometimes it's like I get to the week and I'm like, oh shit, it's the week. And then it goes quite smoothly. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. sometimes it's the day after. So you just gotta, each time it's different and just be, be hold compassion for yourself, mm -hmm. you know, cause they're emotions and, and it's easier to sit with them and get through them than let them bottle up. Yeah. It took me a long time to get there. I think it, I think once I learned to acknowledge how I was feeling, even if it was like this quote unquote negative feeling, once I started to acknowledge it, everything seemed a little bit easier to move through. 
It's like, even now, if I'm having a bad day, I can't really pinpoint why I'll tell my closest friends, I'll tell people like, look, I'm just having a really not a great day. I'm fine. But, you know, I know how to process I know this is not permanent. I know it's just a thing. I mean, it could just be like hormones, it could be like the mm -hmm. weather, it could be who knows what. But I think we've attached so much shame to like certain feelings or we should always be this way or we always need to be grateful and gratitude. And it's mm -hmm. like some days I'm not. And some days and I have the same thing. Sometimes like it'll be like three days after the day my mom died and I'll be like, whoops. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> you know, life just happens. I mean, it's been 33, 34 years for me now, 34 years. So I was only eight, you know, like so time goes by life. I've spent way more of my life without her than I have with her. And so it kind of makes sense. I don't really remember her. There's not rituals. There's not those things for mm. me. It's a different experience. But we all we all have to figure out what works for us. You know, it's kind of like going to the gym. Like not everyone wants to do the same thing at the gym. And that's why there's all these options and people find what works for them. And we don't want to minimize it that in that way, but it really is. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to sit with that for a minute because I you've touched on a few things that I think we um, encounter often in society and that it's that showing no emotion. People think that's more strength, right? Showing greater strength is shutting things down, not showing emotion. I definitely grew up that way. I know exactly what you mean, though, about ticking boxes and making people happy. And I've definitely been that person as well. Like we go through these these just motions where we think that's normal, like, okay, everybody says to be happy, everybody says to be grateful. And, but you don't feel that way all the time. <laughs> you, you just And then you feel don't. bad about not feeling yeah, that way. Exactly. And then that's not helpful. It took me a long time to figure that out. And I would have to say, even through the podcast, and Quentin and I speak of this often, that this has also been extremely therapeutic for us both, because of the conversations we're having, because of the transparency that our guests are showing, and the willingness and the trust and, and the stories that they're telling us, like it has just opened up this whole other world. And I think we're healing together, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I hope people just get more open. I feel like you know, this, I talk to a lot of people, especially in my generation that live this checklist life. It was just like, you had to do well in school so that you got into college and then you had to do well in college so that you got a good job, but then you had to buy a house and then you had to get married. And then you had, you know, like, and it was just like chasing the next checklist. So many of us did that. And what we realized is that like, once we hit one of those marks, it was like, okay, well, I don't feel great yet. So what's the next one that I have to do? And it's, we're just kind of chasing your tail at that point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's some, I, I don't know what the antithesis of this is. You know, for me, it's community and connection, which mm -hmm. is part of the big reason to do this. It's like by saying, sure, there's this big global, all these big global things that are happening, but um, I can't manage all of that. But I can manage the relationships around me, you know. I can work with the connections around me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you guys see this in your podcasting journey is that we have a lot more in common than we have different, you know, and mm. and so many of us suffer in silence because we think we're the only ones that are going through it or, you know, we don't want to bother other people. And no, I think we need to do more of this. We just need to like just share. And, you know, some of it might not resonate with other people and that's okay. But maybe six months from now, they'll think back on that moment and go, oh yeah, I remember what so-and-so said, you know, at that particular time, now I get it. Now it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. I remember when I started this journey as well, my, my mom was a little bit nervous. She's like, are you going to be sharing, you know, personal things about your family? Like it, talk about it was, her <laughs> Yeah, all and, the time, and every we do, episode. And we do touch on our family upbringings and our dynamics that way. And, mm -hmm. but you have to, it makes sense as you shape, it's how you were shaped. It's your experience through life. And it's what, you know, got you to this point or us to this point. So, you know, I, tried to tell her, I'm like, I'm not going to be on there saying you guys are the worst and all these awful, you know, things and stories about you, but I am going to share relatable stories. Yeah. And sometimes maybe that might feel comfortable to you, but I'm not going to say anything that's going to, to hurt you. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you one thing related to that. I, about 10 episodes into my journey, everyone was like, well, when are you going to tell your story? Because I kept like, you know, like I would have my conversations. If you've listened to my episode or my my show, mm -hmm. you know, I just mostly let the guests talk because I think that's what you do when they're telling their stories on my story. But sometimes I'll kind of try to relate through my own story. And so people were asking me, like, when are you going to tell yours? Like, why does this exist? Like, why are you doing this show? And I was like, oh, yeah, that might be might be a good thing to do. So I had my episode one guest kind of just do the interviewing part of me. We kind of went through the story. But what happened was, is I was able to tell my story from my perspective from beginning to where I am now. And the beauty in it was that my family was able to hear that story for the first time. Because mm -hmm. I think when I have conversations with my dad, we had the same lived experience, like we were doing things together, right? But when you have conversations about moments, you just talk about those moments and the other person interrupts you and is like, no, that's not really how it happened. Or, you know, and then you kind of go back and forth. Now he didn't have that opportunity. He had to listen to the way I saw it Mm. through my whole life and the beauty in it was like after he listened to it we had like an hour and a half long conversation where he was like i'm so you know like apologizing for things he didn't need to apologize for but mm. you know like we were really able to have a really nice conversation that took it a lot farther than anything else so there is a beauty in the storytelling aspect of of podcasting for like people that even know your story like my dad and i we live that together but he heard things that he had never heard from before yeah, and that just opens up the door, right, for a whole other conversation. Um, I find like once you, um, my family has been very, we weren't op openly communicative in, in our discussions at home. And it was, you know, you swept things under the rug if it was something negative and you didn't talk about it yep. and you didn't show your emotions and you didn't cry. And I have three brothers. <laughs> so it was like, you know, I was kind of raised like the boys. And uh so everybody has their different experience in that and growing up. And then when I've actually sat down and had some of these really transparent conversations um, or my mom started listening to the show and she heard something and she was like, oh, I didn't even know that about you. Mm -hmm. Like it's it really is interesting how our family starts to see us in a different light mm -hmm. um, and they remove themselves maybe from their own experience for a minute just to try to understand yours. Yeah, I, th mm -hmm. I mean. I, I just don't think we think of those things, you know, and we're such or we when we were growing up, a lot of us were self-protecting. Right. And your parents were probably doing that as well because mm -hmm. of their own experiences. And, you know, it's like this generational thing that keeps getting yeah. passed down. But I think now that the proliferation of podcasting and people just like sharing everything, I think maybe people are going to be in a space where it's not as awkward to just like say things that are just not beautiful and rosy and sunshines. 
yeah. and human and complex and i mean know. please sign yeah. me up <laughs> right now do you feel we're going too far the other way i there's a lot of oversharing these days i i'm just curious if you noticed anywhere where you would think it's like where our sharing has gone too far in any aspect TikTok. i mean i what's that TikTok. He said TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i've been called an oversharer uh I don't know. I mean, I guess when it comes to emotions, I don't think there's oversharing. I think if it's, you know, insulting other people or going a little, you know, like sharing things that not everyone like is comfortable with. I don't know. It's hard to say, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I guess if it's disgusting, then I don't want to see it. But, you know, I think <laughs> if if I can hear, I think if I if I think back to when I was eight, if I saw more men in my life or in the world around me crying when something was sad or feeling a certain way when something was hard and it wasn't just being mad or happy mm. i think i would have had a, a completely different grown-up experience a growing up experience right because it all would have been normalized even in your example like growing up with three brothers and kind of feeling like you had to be like them but why did they have to be like that you know and in, in, in a way that like maybe if we saw all these things, we everything would be normalized. So it wouldn't be oversharing. It would just be like, oh, look, I'm a human today. You're right. We're we're not used to it. We're like we're still in that element of there's a lot being shared. Yeah. And even every podcast I listen to, anything that I follow, I try to keep any content that I'm viewing and listening to very streamlined and geared towards what my goals are and what I want to hear and try to block out the fluff. But it's um it's things that I never heard of when I was young, which yeah. is which is wonderful. Like it really is just opening up this whole other world, I think, for people. Mm. Um, and I'm even noticing it in my corporate environment where I work, where it's just starting to break down those cultural barriers that we, you know, we put up yeah. all these walls and people are so different. They wear way different hats in that environment. Mm. Um, but I'm starting to see some of that shift. So I think it's yeah. I, I hope it continues. Mm. I had a guest on my show. His name was Newton and he works at Google and he his whole story was like, you know, they were during the pandemic, things were like life was really hard for him. He had kids at home and like everything was building up and he had to like, like you said, like you just shut that down when you're in corporate, like you leave love at the door and you just walk in without that aspect of your life and you're just like a robot or whatever. And his whole thing was like one one zoom someone was like how are you really and he like i don't know why but he just let it out and from that moment on his life changed because mm -hmm. now everyone knew that like he was human like he had things going on and everyone cared for each other and like the more we do that i think i think the better i think the better all we'll be able to rate relate with each other it's not going to be this big competition of like who sells the most and like i mean sure that'll still be aspects of it but maybe there'll be different conversations in the workplace yeah i think there's this advent with like us accepting mental health mm. i think that's kind of the key to the door because then if we can accept that we're having good days and bad days then we can accept that we have fleeting emotional moments within those days you know yeah and do you um, think it's getting better um i i i think that if we are aware of our own search and to come back to grief, a grief counselor said to me, um, doesn't matter if you're climbing up a hill or you're going down into a valley, thinking of emotions like coming into a good time or going into a bad time, just as long as that you recognize that you're going forward, 
and that at the bottom of the valley the slope will start to turn upwards and you just got to wait for that however you know just as i do that going into our emotions deeply is a very scary thing so i think there's that as one thing and i think the second thing that sort of pulls us into sharing a lot is social media mm -hmm. and social media doesn't encourage this deep interaction and this deep introspection it's very quick and very repetitive and very surface level so mm -hmm. i think that you got these two fighting all mm -hmm. of the time yeah well you know it's like i like that on some of your episodes i don't know if you do it on all of them but you ask like the win win and fail the week yeah the let's do that right now <laughs> well I, I think it's important i mean before we go into it i think that like social media so or was i don't know if it still is as much but it's so much about like look at me look at me look at the wins look at like i can help you make a million dollars in four steps you know like just follow this and it's mm -hmm. the more we get out of that i think the better to your point We'd love to hear from you. Please engage with us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube. Because it's not that bad at the end. It's a human expression. It's like, we're all going to go through it. Right. But don't we all learn more from what we've made mistakes? Like, yeah, I know I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. It's so backwards what we learned growing up. People were oh, yeah. so afraid to fail and we weren't taught that mm -hmm. making mistakes is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We were shamed and berated and beat down if we were if we made a mistake. Well, that's the whole grading system, isn't it? At school. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, we grew up you had to get an A and if you didn't, you were a failure or you had to get a B and if you didn't, you were a failure. Yeah. And then sometimes you were a failure with an F, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Matt, tell us, how have you been a failure this week? <laughs> oh, God. I am a big failure. No, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in my early 40s now, and I have three college degrees, and I'm trying to pivot into more communications type roles, or that's kind of my goal. But having worked for 20 plus years in higher education and in other spaces and in business spaces my failure like or what feels like a failure lately is just trying to get my foot in somewhere without also having to like clean the floors at like yeah at a, you know like at the most bottom of levels and so where the failure comes in is my self-doubt gets really large because i look at job postings or things like that i'm like well i've never really done that before but the other person on my shoulder is very much like, well, you can do all that, but how do you prove it? And so, you know, I've been applying and getting those fun rejection letters and those kind of things. So that's where I'm failing lately, but you know, it's a journey. I think that's a good fail. And I, I understand that that self-doubt, we've talked about that on the show as well. Um, you know, it it can be debilitating at times when you start oh, uh, when you have this uh, a bit of imposter syndrome or you you're just like, how can I change this at this stage? But uh, um, we talk about reinvention a lot here as well. And I think there's always a way to reinvent yourself. I think you've already done it with the podcast. And so therefore, this is just your next step. And 
yeah. It, some days, and this is that those hills and valleys. Like sometimes, like when I get one of those rejection emails that probably nobody even looked at, it was probably just their system doing it. You know, yeah. I can go in a spiral, and I can be like, well, I guess I'm just stuck where I am forever, and nothing's gonna change. And then I'll get a new wind of what I want to do. You know, let me try this way, or let me try to like say this is how this is relevant and prove these things. So it is, but it can be really debilitating. I hear you. Joe, how about you? What was your fail of the week today? Oh, fail of the week. Um, I would say, well, I had a, it was sort of an aha moment at work. And again, I know we don't, I don't like talk too much about my job here, but uh, my outside job. Um, however, it was a, it was something my leader said to me about um, relationships and some dynamics going on at work. And it, it kind of just, it it planted a seed let's say in my mind that i recognized where maybe i had been working against myself mm. essentially mm. so i was sort of being my own roadblock um in terms of not being as committed to something as i could be and when i'm really engaged in something i'm extremely committed but i also know how my brain works and you know a little bit of that adhd doesn't always allow me to commit to the things that i don't engage me as well um so it, it just really put some thought in my mind about, I can approach this a different way. I think it's just the way I need to, it's is looking at it a little bit differently. Um, so it was a mindset shift. And so I'd say it was a win and a fail. And sometimes I combine them because I think they can go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely an eye opener in terms of, I have also been in my corporate job for some time. I have changed roles many times, but this is, it's, um, yeah, sometimes you just need a little, like you need to hear something in a different way and then it resonates with you. Um, yeah, it just it, it just changed my mindset a little bit. So it was actually a really good thing. But mm. it also kind of was like, oh, okay. I've been, I had, <laughs> I had to acknowledge some things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <about> myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. Yeah. How about you, Quentin? Yeah. Um, I talking about uh, similarities with Matt about like trying to balance finding a decent sustainable work contracts and ways to sustain ourselves. Uh, I like to volunteer. I like to give time to certain organizations. And um, my win of the week is that one of these places that I have been volunteering at for six years gave me a big contract for the next year and a half. Which oh, wow. Freaking amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> the failure is exactly the same. It's another volunteer <laughs> uh, for another group. And uh, we had a summit coming up and I had front loaded a whole bunch of stuff and we had all chosen tasks, etc. And I'd asked five weeks along for um, like, okay, let's see this thing coming together. Let's start threading it together. And I've, I only saw like two paragraphs of work from the other four people. So I had to pull the plug volunteering today. Ah, oh, sorry to hear that. It's very dramatic. Ooh, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Mic drop, <laughs> slam down the pen. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, no, sometimes you just But I think that's kind of a win in a way because you, you're protecting yourself and you're doing what feels right for you. I think, I think that's a win too. Good yeah. on you and the wins. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I, edited, I edited my 100th episode this week. 
Yes. That was my win. That's a great great win. win. That's my win. Yeah. And I loved your I loved your picture too on LinkedIn with your uh, studio setup. And it really I was glad I saw it because I was thinking of rearranging things in my home for a better studio setup. Mm -hmm. My son is now 17 and he came and like grabbed a whole bunch of stuff out of his room the other day. He's like, if you want to like use this now as your your studio. I'm like, what? oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm like, I'm leaving your bed though, because you're still coming to sleep over. <laughs> yeah. But, do that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm excited. So it just kind of your picture got me thinking of ways I could set up a, a nice little studio in my place. You, you know, that's that's one of the things that I've had to work hard on the older I get is like learning to pause and like celebrate things. And because it was, it was always chasing that check mark. And so now I'm like, pause 100 episodes. That's pretty cool for doing it all myself, you know, like, you know, audio, video, like, you know how, it, how much it takes to do that. And, you know, sitting through like holding space for some of these conversations. Like, I've had conversations where a guest came on and talked about how their estranged husband murdered their seven year old daughter. And you have to hold that space. Wow which is a lot, right? But then you have to listen to it again when you're editing the audio, then you have to listen to it again when you're editing the video. And so, yeah, when I get to these milestones, you know, I think I'm close to 22,000 downloads now, which is like, cool. I don't know if that's good. I mean, it's good to me because my goal is that each episode finds the set of ears that needed to hear that story or Mm -hmm. something my guest said and like, so that they don't feel alone in their circumstance. So I'm assuming that there are people I hear from people behind the scenes that do that. So I do have to like remind myself to pause and go, okay, tell people about it. Like, because mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people that's like, I can show you how to make $6 million, you know, like in yeah. two steps. Now it's down to two steps. It was four, but I can show you in two. Your framework's got more efficient. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just in this last Chat, yeah. Chat GPT. Rob <laughs> Just go into the bank and rob it. <laughs> I Two love steps. that. I can do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just so you know, listeners, we're not saying to go rob banks, please. No. no. <laughs> Read the disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> no. So how, how do you then, um, so it sounds like you have some very interesting conversations and some very difficult conversations mm-hmm. at times and things that are very sensitive and you have to hold space for that do you ever find like you need to take a step back a little bit or you can't do as many recordings in one week or how do you manage that in terms of your own uh self and emotions and how you feel yeah it's hard it's hard i didn't realize that i was such or i had such em- empathy i didn't know that as much maybe i did but i didn't realize it and it was really pronounced here and in, in podcasting land but early on it was like you know i think there's a part of the podcasting journey where like you have people that are interested record you know and so i was doing like four five recordings a week and what i was finding is that some of them were really heavy not all of them but some of them were really heavy and those i would like almost shut down after and like have to like I couldn't function in a, in a normal way. And so as I was starting to notice that, I was like, well, Matt, you need to protect yourself because if you don't do that, then obviously you can't continue the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And so now I'm down to at max, most times not, but at max, I will do two recordings a week. And I know that after the recording, sometimes I will go lay down. And that's another one of those things where I, I get really good at acknowledging how I'm feeling. 
and that I just need to shut down and I just need to close the door, put on my headphones, listen to something, whatever that might be, take a nap. So you do have to protect yourself, especially when you're having conversations that require so much heart uh, mm -hmm. and, and feeling. But um, I'm super honored that people want to do that. Like I haven't looked for a guest in over a year. Mm -hmm. And that is like mind blowing to me because like pretty much everyone is a stranger before we have this conversation. And so many of them just come and pour their heart out and we have these deep conversations. And so I don't want that to stop. So mm -hmm. I did, I do to your point needed to find a way that I could do both. I could protect myself, have these conversations because they're healing to me. They're, they're serving me in this, in a selfish way as well. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and hopefully it's helping them and hopefully it's helping people, helping people that are listening. It, I think it really is because I've listened to a few episodes and the, your approach. And as you said, you're very empathetic. It allows people to open, you know, we get this feeling of trust. We get this feeling mm -hmm. of that you have, you do hold space. And then the ensuing conversation is just so much stronger because of it. I mean, I think, thank you. I think, you know, one thing, if there's anyone out there that's listening and then like wants to podcast, one of the things that I really learned was the skill of like, or trying to be more of an active listener. And I think, you know, to our earlier conversation about how like everything we had to like perform to our highest and everyone had to approve of us. So many of my conversations throughout my corporate career and different jobs, like, you know, you'd be in this meeting and and I would be sitting there in the meeting waiting for the next silence so that I could say like the most profound thing that I had, you know, written down or ready to say, because it wasn't about contributing. It was about people seeing me being as, heard, mm -hmm. seeing me as smart or seeing me, you know, like whatever that might be. And so when I came into this podcasting space, I realized that the thing I had to do was I had to listen so much that it would be okay if I forgot the question that I was going to ask before. If I got to the next silence and I was like, well, I don't know, because it would allow me to really go with where the conversation needed to go and where my heart felt it needed to go and maybe where the guest wanted it to go versus, you know, here's my, here's my next question kind of thing. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. that was like the biggest thing I, I learned to do was to just let go. And that was really hard, but it was, it made me a better listener. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point because um, a lot of us wait to be, you know, we wait to speak. We don't actually, we're not actually listening as someone else is speaking. And uh, both Quentin and I took uh, like a little course on active listening, mm. which was great. And that was through one of the people that we had on the podcast. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And um, Phil Burgess. And so it just, it taught me a few things for sure. And I agree with you. Initially, Quentin and I had a little bit of a script that we were following for the show, and we do still use the intake, but I find that we're following it much less. Mm. And it really is just about seeing where the conversation goes. Mm. And yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the intake has almost become like a little more of a tool for the our invited guest mm. to sort of tune their thinking to what we are about rather than for us to try and get content that aligns to what uh, mm -hmm. we're talking about because we know now that we're just going to have a really good conversation um, but you know we've we're obviously the connectors and it'd be amazing <laughs> if people could come with like this 
primed, you know. So I think it, our idea of that's changed a bit. It's. I think it's the hard. I think it's really hard because I think you. I think we naturally, if we feel like we're unprepared, right? Like he, I don't have questions, so then I'm unprepared. Like our old versions of us would like panic and like not be able to perform. Mm. And so that was a big shift for me. But you know what? It's it's been so fascinating sometimes i have an intake form as well it's pretty short you didn't fill out the intake form you filled out like the contact form so we'll talk about that later Wait, i'll have to do the intake <laughs> form then uh but i have this and, and it's just a simple question of like you know give me an idea of what your life shift is right because i need to know if i'm going into a conversation where someone quit their job and became a you know a hot air balloon pilot versus a tragedy kind of thing i need that but i've had people come on the show and we're talking before we record and they're like, hey, I was wondering, I'd like to tell talk about something that I've never told anyone before. And I'm like, yes, like, <laughs> like, you know, like, and so if I had prepared all on their intake, like I wouldn't be able to do that. And so I think there's there's a nice value in being able to listen and kind of go into it because maybe that conversation never would have happened, you know, so. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and our last question. Oh gosh. Uh, so go for it. Actually, I wanted to ask you something before the last question. Go Just for it, because yeah. you are a fellow podcaster, I assume you listen to other podcasts. Do you have like three top favorites that you'd want to share? You know what? I I listen to a lot of true crime. Is that bad? I listen to true <laughs> a lot crime. A lot of people love it. A lot of yeah. people love it. <laughs> and I I like to tell people the reason I listen to true crime and and the ones that I do listen to are because of the puzzle. I think it's fascinating. I don't not like I I don't really need to hear all the the details and the that part. I think the puzzle of it is so fascinating. So, you know, I listen to stuff like Crime Junkie and you know what, one of my favorite true crime, it was like a narrative series. It was in in the dark season 2 and it was a long, I don't know, there's a lot of episodes, but you went on this journey and it was like one of the best pieces of investigative journalism that I've listened to. And, and it actually changed the person's life, like literally got them out of prison, wow. you know, based on a wow. terrible DA kind of thing. And it's just so good. And so it's things like that, that I like to follow. I don't listen to a ton of interview podcasts like my own. I don't know if that's because I don't want to hear people that are better than me. I don't know what it is. I do listen to them, but not as often. <laughs> I think I'm I afraid. Think, <laughs> I think Quentin wishes I didn't listen to so many because I'm always like, we should do this. So and so and this. And I'm yeah, and it's things. like people with a team of seven. I know. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's yeah. hard and to not. And right. <laughs> with high credentials. No, yeah. it's great. You've got we hey, we've got to look upwards, right? But you've got yeah. to have a that's, <laughs> that's the reason we started that podcasting group where we met is because I was so overwhelmed with all these quote unquote gurus telling me how I should run my podcast mm -hmm. and how much I realized like, no, that doesn't fit or that wouldn't work or, mm -hmm. you know, and so I, you just have to find what works for you. And I can't like, I can't absorb all that because I'm only one person. You guys are only two people. There's only so much that we can do. And if we stick to the core and the heart of what we're doing, everything will turn itself out and, and turn itself out in a way that's valuable, I think. Yeah, totally. We had a first crack at the podcast and we uh, tried three episodes and sent it out to our little trusted team and it fell flat. 
Mm. And we had to come back and really nail getting to the heart of the message, getting to the heart of the personas, getting to the heart of like narrowing it down to, as you were saying at the beginning, like the the 10 word summary and then mm -hmm. the 100 word summary. And then, okay, let's like write the preface to a book or yeah. You guys really have it all. Think it over. Yeah. I think that was helpful too for for guests to see that you guys have it all thought out and and planned. There's a lot of podcasts they just kind of wing it, and the only ones that survive that at least for a little bit are like celebrity names things. So yeah, you guys are doing that. Thanks. <laughs> well, for our last question, <laughs> uh, what does connection mean to you, Matt? Oh God, I've it's changed since I started the Life Shift podcast. I feel like connection is helping or feeling less alone like helping others feel less alone in their experience and knowing that there is so much more that we share than that makes us different mm -hmm. and i don't think i i mean i think i logically knew that but now i feel that which is a, a totally different experience for me because I have all these conversations and someone can come from a completely different walk of life and, you know, completely different, you know, level of income that their family existed in and the experiences that they had. But as they tell their story, I'm like, that validates my experience, even though it's not even the same, you know? And mm -hmm. so the idea that, that someone else is experiencing the same feelings or the same, you know, approach to things that I am, even though we're on the surface totally different is really what's kind of built up that idea of connection for me and i think that i wouldn't have realized that as deeply if i didn't have the podcast thank you i love You're that welcome. thank you <laughs> thank yeah. you for being here it's of been course. wonderful a great experience i knew it would be i knew we'd have a great conversation and um how can our guests get a hold of you if they maybe want to be a guest on your show Sure. Well, I'm way ahead, so you'll have to wait a little bit. But uh, <laughs> the life, uh, the podcast.com is like the best place to go to to find links to the episodes, to find the contact form. I have a Patreon. I have too much going on. It's wonderful, but also a lot. Uh, but yeah, so anything about the show, that's probably the best place to go. And then on LinkedIn, it's just Matt Gilhooly, and you can find me. I say it just Matt Gilhooly. I don't know if there are other ones, but just me. So you can connect with me there. Happy to share all of my oversharing with you if you want to connect there. I do like to hang out on, I don't know what it's called now, X, Twitter. <laughs> which is weird because people call it a dumpster fire but i found like a really cool community there as well awesome awesome <laughs> well thank you for being on the show today uh we appreciate your time and stay tuned for our next episode on the connectors and we have i don't know what we have what do we have <laughs> 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 ah, one of those days uh, so stay tuned for the next episode and let's get connected If you've got a story inside of you, consider pitching it to us, the connectors. Get in touch with us on any of our social media platforms and either Joe or myself, Quinton, will get back to you. So come join us on the show and let's.